Hi, my name's Jason McGregor. I'm a committee member for the Fort Queenscliff Museum Association. And we're just going to take a quick look at uh, our Black Lighthouse. So in the Queenscliff area we have three lighthouses. We have the Point Lonsdale Lighthouse, which is on the heads, the White Lighthouse on, on the bluff here at Queenscliff, or otherwise known as the Low Light, and then the High Light, which is the Black Lighthouse, uh, which is inside Fort Queenscliff. Both the Black and the White Lighthouse, the ones that are currently in position, were replacements for, in the case of the Black Lighthouse, a sandstone lighthouse, and the White Lighthouse was a, an old wooden one. But the theory um, of their operation is the same. Basically, when shipping uh, is out to sea, about a mile out from the entrance to Port Phillip Bay, they can see the two lighthouses. Because they're different colours, they can contrast them, and once they actually line up, it gives them an indi indicating angle to enter Port Phillip Bay in the safe channel. There are two channels in the bay, the main channel being the one that they would follow using these two lighthouses. <laughs> The Black Lighthouse is quite rare in that it's only one of three Black Lighthouses internationally. Yeah, there are only, as far as we know, three Black Lighthouses internationally and there are only one in the Southern Hemisphere. It's one of two of its build. It's base, basically built um, to sit on a rock out to sea for most of the day and uh, be partly surrounded by water. Uh, it's a Scottish design. As I say, there's only one other like it that we know of and that one actually is sitting on a set of uh, rocks that and actually does get covered by by water but because it was built to the design the stones were quarried um, on the banks of the Yarra and then uh, transported here and it was built like a kit in a circular motion as they went up in a spiral they put the stones down put them in their, their appropriate order and then kept building up but it was built to the original design so it had a door 20 feet up or four meters up that had a ladder on the outside and they climbed the ladder up to the door, went in, climbed a ladder down to the basement of the, to the bottom of the, the lighthouse and then climbed the spiral staircase that was built inside all the way to the top. And this ladder was of course there just in case the water lapped around the bottom of the lighthouse. Um, this was annoying for about 20 years. The, the lighthouse keepers put up with it for nearly two decades before they decided to actually move, to remove the ladders and actually move the door down to ground level because well, water was never really going to lap at their lighthouse. You said that the bluestone came from the banks of the Yarra, but there was some controversy or some myths around where the bluestone came from. Can you tell us about yeah. that? One of the biggest myths about it was that the stones were uh, quarried in Scotland to the original plan, as we know that they were quarried to the original plan, and then brought out here on the, as the ballast of, of ships. Now, the smallest stone weighs what is referred to as about 500 weight, which is 250 kilos. The largest stone is a 1,500 or 1.5 tonnes. The thought is that if there are at least, and they're well over, but if there are at least 20 of the large blocks in this lighthouse, that's 30 tonnes. So to build that lighthouse, it would have been an enormous amount of ballast, and uh, it's just a theory that doesn't sort of hold up when, also, when there was, in fact, a quarry at South Yarra at the time. The stones themselves have interesting markings on them. Most of them have a hole in them uh, that's been filled in with a bit of sand and cement. And it turns out that each one of those holes was an anchor point for the crane. And as, they, as the lighthouse spiralled in its construction, they would anchor the crane into the next level and then haul up the next rock, lay it, and then move the crane up. It also has a base stone rock that has the broad arrow marking in it. It's another common misconception, the broad arrow indicates it's been made by convicts, but in fact it just means that it was a government contractor. Tell us about the fort, when that was built and why it was built around the Black Lighthouse. 
to start off with, the, there was a couple of buildings here inside the fort, the local bank, the first telegraph ta- station in the region, which obviously telegraphed to, Mel- to Geelong, to Melbourne, so that's the, the link. There's also a signal station here that communicated via semaphore flags to the other side of the harbour. And attached to that uh, that bank and uh, and post office, they attached some buildings that became the Lighthouse Keeper's residence, which are some nice old terraces here, about 150 years old. And, of course, the main street of Queenscliff, because that's where you have your bank. But uh, in the 1870s, uh, Scratch and Devoir were uh, assigned by the British government to develop defences for Queenscliff. There was some fear about the gold in Melbourne being pillaged by predominantly the Russians, but also some fear from our American friends. And the idea uh, of the wall and its moat, which is a siege warfare concept, was put in place in uh, the 1880s and this caused a bit of consternation for the local town of Queenscliff because they couldn't get to their bank without going through various military security and the like. Um, So the bank and most of the facilities that were available with inside the fort were actually moved to Hesse Street, making it the main street of Queenscliff. The fort itself developed over time with a series of of, uh, of guns, including the hydromatic disappearing guns, one of which we still have, but it never really saw any aggression, other than being the fire command post for an order given in 1914 in uh, August, um, within hours of the declaration of the First World War, the fire command post here ordered uh, the fort at Point Nepean to fire against a uh, German freighter called the Faltz just across the bow to ask it to uh, to come to, and the the ship did, and uh, the crew were interned for the duration of the war. It's alleged to be the first Allied artillery shot of World War II as it occurred within three hours of the declaration of war. Uh, there's also a claim that it, it held the first public telephone in the region. Whilst it's not there anymore to, to provide any evidence, there is evidence of cabling going through the building. Tell us about the state of the lighthouse today and, and the fort. Well, currently the lighthouse is operated by the Port of Melbourne Corporation, but it sits inside the Fort Queenscliff area, and the Fort Queenscliff, of course, being run by Defence, is currently the home of the Soldier Career Management Agency. From the end of the Second World War, it's basically been a army college and now a human resources archive, if you like. There's around three and a half miles of tunnels underneath the site. Most of them uh, are blocked off. Many of them were what were called sally ports, which went out to the moat, which was surrounding the the fort. It had a dry moat, which is all part of this uh, siege warfare idea of the 1880s. And others went to the cliff face, the seaward cliff face, um, where there were searchlights, the traditional uh, ubiquitous searchlight that everybody knows. They're actually called attack lights, and they were manned by uh, small crews who could actually access from inside the fort out to the cliff. During the Second World War there were anti-aircraft gun here but from about again the end of the Second World War there hasn't been any active weaponry here at all.